0: Chapter 14, Communicating in Today's Air Force Section 14A, Overview Introduction Your success as a military leader depends on your ability to think critically and creatively. It is also crucial to communicate your intentions and decisions to others. The ability to communicate clearly, to write, speak, and actively listen greatly impacts your capacity to inform, teach, Motivate, mentor, and lead those around you. Communicating your intent and ideas so that others understand your message and act on it is one of the primary qualities of leadership. Communication is the process of sharing ideas, information, and messages with others. In the Air Force, most communication involves speaking and writing. Any communication can be broken into three parts the sender, the message, and the audience. For communication to be successful, the audience must not only receive the message, but the audience must interpret the message in the way the sender intended. This chapter begins by examining the fundamentals of better communication, both written and spoken. Then the chapter focuses on written communications in general terms and outlines certain methods that can be used to improve writing style. Finally, it provides an overview and samples of the types of correspondence the non-commissioned officer, NCO, is likely to deal with in daily activities. This is not an exhaustive text and is meant as an overview. Consult AFH 33-337, the tongue and quill. Section 14b, The Principles and Seven Steps for Effective Communication Principles of Effective Communication Everyone must understand what makes communication succeed and fail. Most mistakes are caused by forgetting one of the five principles of good communication. This section addresses the five core principles, focused, organized, clear, understanding, and supported. Focus, figure 14-1. Focused. The first hallmark of good communication is that the communication is focused. The sender has a clear idea of the purpose and objective, locks on target, and stays on track. Organized. Good organization means your material is presented in a logical, systematic manner. When writing or speaking is not well organized, audiences become easily confused or impatient and may stop reading or listening. Even if you are providing useful, relevant information, your audience may underestimate the value of the information and your credibility. Clear. This principle covers two interrelated ideas. First, to communicate clearly, we need to understand the rules of language, how to spell and pronounce words, and how to assemble and punctuate sentences. Second, we should get to the point, not hide our ideas in a maze of words. Understanding. Understanding their current knowledge, views, and level of interest in the topic helps when sharing ideas with others. Understanding what is expected with the format and length of response, due date, level of formality, and any staffing requirements helps when you have been asked to write a report. Support it. Use logic and support to make your point. Support and logic are the tools used to build credibility and trust with your audience. Nothing cripples a clearly written, properly punctuated paper quicker than a fractured fact or a distorted argument. Overview Like many things, good communication requires preparation. There are seven steps that will help every airman become a better communicator, both in written correspondence and in speaking abilities. The first four steps lay the groundwork for the drafting process. Step 1. Analyze purpose and audience. Once the need for communication is determined, step 1 requires you to be clear on your purpose and know or understand your audience. Those who have mastered the art of communication stay focused on their objective and approach audience analysis seriously. Choose the purpose. Most Air Force writing or speaking is either to direct, inform, persuade, or inspire. Your task is to think about the message you want to send, the what, and make some sort of determination what your purpose is, the why. Once you decide the purpose, you will know where to place the emphasis and what the tone of your communication should be. Draft the Purpose Statement. One way to make sure you are clear on your objective is to write a purpose statement, which is one sentence that captures the essence of what you are trying to do, your bottom line. Developing a clear purpose statement will help you focus as you develop your communication, help your audience focus when you deliver your message, know yourself. Realizing your own strengths and weaknesses will help you meet your communication goals. Know your organization. In the military, we rarely act or speak in a vacuum. Often we represent our organization, unit, or functional area and must understand them and accommodate their views, capabilities, or concerns in our communications. Know your audience. The receiving audience falls into one of four subcategories. Depending on the type of communication and coordination needed, you may or may not deal with each one of these. Primary receiver, the person you directly communicate with, either verbally or in writing. Secondary receiver, people you indirectly communicate with through the primary receivers. Key decision makers, the most powerful members of the audience, the ones that really make the decisions. Knowing who they are will help focus your attention and potentially your delivery in larger briefings and certain written communication gatekeepers people in the chain who typically review the communication before the communication reaches the intended audience knowing who they are and what their expectations are can save you embarrassment and help ensure your success in the long run succeed with your audience some tips are rank differences in military rank can be a real barrier to communication in the air force Many of us become tongue-tied when communicating with those senior in rank and cursory or impatient with those who are junior in rank. We must constantly remind ourselves we are all communicative equals and should strive to be candid, direct, and respectful with everyone. Jargon. Tailor to your audience. Do not overestimate the knowledge and expertise of your readers, but do not talk down to them either. Be careful with excessive use of career field-specific jargon and acronyms. Be inclusive. Remember our diverse force. Sometimes we inadvertently exclude members of our audience by falling into communication traps involving references to race, religion, ethnicity, or sex. Remember this concept when designing your visual support. Knowing your audience and adhering to good taste and sensitivity will keep you in check. Tone. This is not just what you say, but how you say it. Closely tied to the purpose of your communication is the tone you take with your audience. Speakers have gestures, voice, and movements to help them communicate. Writers only have words on paper. How many times have you seen colleagues get bent out of shape over a misunderstood email? Why? Because the nonverbal signals available during face-to-face communication are absent. Recognize this disadvantage in written communication and pay close attention to the tone. Courtesy. The first rule of writing is to be polite. Forgo anger, criticism, and sarcasm. Strive to be reasonable and persuasive. Try not to deliberately embarrass someone and avoid with a more tactful choice of words. Make it personal. When appropriate, use pronouns to create instant rapport, show concern, and keep your reader involved. Using pronouns also keeps your writing from being monotonous, dry, and abstract. The pronouns you will probably use the most are you, yours, we, us, and our. Use I, me, and my sparingly. One rule of business writing is to put your audience first. So when possible, avoid using I as the first word of an opening sentence, and avoid starting two sentences in a row with we or I unless you are trying to hammer home a point. Formal. To be or not to be versus informal. Hey dude. Different communication situations require different levels of formality. The informal tone is more like a conversation between you and your reader and is characterized by clear, direct, active language. In today's Air Force, most of your writing will be informal, though ceremonies and awards may require more elaborate formal language. Whether your tone is formal or informal, you will still need to follow the accepted rules of grammar. Be Positive To cultivate a positive tone, give praise where praise is due. Acknowledge acceptance before focusing on additional improvements and express criticism in the form of helpful questions, suggestions, requests, recommendations, or clear directives rather than accusations. Your audience always appreciates sincerity and honesty. Step 2. Research Your Topic Whether your goal is to persuade or inform, you will need more than fancy words to win the day. You will need substance as well as style. Once you're clear on your purpose and audience, step one. You will need to research your topic to uncover information that will support your communication goals. Before you begin the research, refer to the five approaches to researching below for the best method for accomplishing researching. Approach one. Review purpose and scope of the overall project. Sometimes your purpose and scope will evolve as you learn more about the topic, and you may need to do some preliminary research just to get smart enough to scope out the effort. Approach 2. Assign a deadline as you can easily get lost in the research process. Don't do an outstanding job of data retrieval, then a marginal job on the presentation because you ran out of time. Approach 3. Ask the boss. Even if you can eventually find the answer on your own, save some time by asking your supervisor for suggestions on where to start. Approach 4. Determine what is known. Before you look for answers outside yourself, look in the mirror. You may already have valuable knowledge about an assigned research project. When relying on personal knowledge, be sure to identify and guard against any biases you may have. Approach 5. Determine where to look for information. Coworkers and base personnel are easy because you can meet with them face-to-face. Office files and references in paper form and on your computer network may be valuable sources of information. Finally, the Internet and library offer an unlimited supply of information. Step 3. Support your ideas. Once you have researched your topic and collected information, you need to figure out how to use what you have found to meet your communication goals. Individual pieces of evidence are used to build your argument. When identifying some common types of evidence, they may include Definition A definition is a precise meaning or significance of a word or phrase. Testimony A testimony uses the comments of recognized authorities to support your claim. These comments are sometimes direct quotations or paraphrases, but direct quotations tend to carry more weight with listeners or readers. Statistics The use of statistics provides a summary of data that allows your audience to better interpret quantitative information. Statistics can be very persuasive and provide excellent support, if handled competently. Keep them simple and easy to read and understand. Also remember to round off your statistics whenever possible and document the exact source of your statistics. Example An example is a specific instance chosen to represent a larger fact in order to clarify an abstract idea or support a claim. Good examples must be appropriate, brief, and attention-arresting. Quite often, they are presented in groups of two or three for impact. Fact A fact is a non-controversial piece of data that can be confirmed by observation or by talking to communally accepted authorities. Be careful to distinguish facts from inferences and handle inferences you would like to use in your research as testimony, not fact. Explanation Analysis The analysis is the separation of a whole into smaller pieces for further studies, clarifying a complex issue by examining one piece at a time. Comparison and Contrast. Use comparison to dramatize similarities between two objects or situations. Contrast to emphasize differences. Description. A description is to tell about something in detail, to paint a picture with words, typically more personal and subjective than a definition. Step 4. Organize and outline. Select a pattern that enables you and your readers to move systematically and logically through your ideas, from beginning to conclusion. Some of the most common organizational patterns are listed below. Your purpose, the needs of your audience, and the nature of your material will influence your choice of pattern. Topical. Use the topical format to present groups of ideas, objects, or events by categories. Compare or contrast. Use the compare and contrast style when you need to discuss similarities and differences between topics, concepts, or ideas. Chronological. When using the chronological pattern, you discuss events, problems, or processes in the sequence of time in which occurrences take place or should take place, past-to-present or present-to-future. Sequential. A step-by-step approach, sequential is similar to the chronological pattern. Use this approach to describe a sequence of steps necessary to complete a technical procedure or process. Spatial or geographical. When using spatial or geographical pattern, you will start at some point in space and proceed in sequence to other points. This pattern is based on a directional strategy, north to south, east to west, clockwise or counterclockwise, bottom to top, above and below. Problem and Solution Use the problem and solution pattern to identify and describe a problem and one or more possible solutions or an issue and possible techniques for resolving the issue. Discuss all facets of the problem, such as origin, characteristics, and impact. Reasoning and Logic State an opinion, and then make your case by providing support for your position. Use the Reasoning and Logic pattern when your mission is to present research that will lead your audience down the path to your point of view. Cause and Effect Use the cause and effect pattern to show how one or more ideas, actions, or conditions lead to other ideas, actions, or conditions. Step 5. Draft A draft is not the finished product, and each sentence does not have to be polished and perfect. The focus is to get your ideas down on paper. Do not obsess about grammar, punctuation, spelling, and word choice. This all comes later. You do not have to fix every mistake you see. By periodically checking your outline, you are less likely to lose focus and include irrelevant information. Break up your draft into a three-part structure—introduction, body, and conclusion. Introduction The introduction captures your audience's attention, establishes rapport, and announces your purpose. Therefore, the introduction sets the stage and tone for your message and the direction you plan to take the audience. A typical introduction has three components, stage setting remarks, a purpose statement, and an overview. Stage setting remarks sets the tone, captures the audience's attentions, and encourages the audience to read further. Stage setting remarks are optional and can be omitted in very short messages. The Purpose Statement is the one sentence you would keep if you had only one. Moreover, the Purpose Statement specifically states your purpose, thesis, or main point. The Overview clearly presents your main points, previews your paragraph sequence, and ties your main points to your purpose. Body This is the heart of your message and includes the main ideas about your subject and supporting details under each main idea. The body, depending on the purpose and subject, will typically consist of several paragraphs. As a general rule, a separate paragraph is formed for each main idea. Conclusion. The conclusion is the last and most neglected part of well-arranged communication. An effective conclusion often summarizes the main points discussed in the body and leaves the reader with a sense of closure. Conclude your communication with positive statements based on your preceding discussion and avoid bringing up new information. The introduction and conclusion should balance each other without being identical. Effective Paragraphs Paragraphs are the primary vehicles for developing ideas, They group related ideas into single units of thought, separate one unit of thought from another, and alert readers that the writer is shifting to another phase of the subject. Each paragraph contains a topic sentence, preferably at the beginning, that prepares the reader for the rest of the paragraph and provides a point of focus for support details, facts, figures, and examples. Use supporting ideas to prove clarify, illustrate, and develop your main point. The objective is to help the readers see the paragraphs as integrated units rather than a mere collection of sentences. Plain language. Prepare all Air Force correspondence using plain language. Plain language means using logical organization, common everyday words, except for necessary technical terms you and other pronouns, the active voice, and short sentences. Transitions. One way to make sure your paragraph flows together both internally and externally is by using transitions in the form of words, phrases, or sentences. Internal transitions are used within a sentence to improve the flow, while external transitions are used to link separate paragraphs together within the body of the communication effective sentences. To draft clear and concise sentences, choose clear and concise words and phrases to make up your sentences. There are three considerations to make when drafting sentences. Active voice, smothered verbs, and parallelism. Write actively. The active voice shows the subject as the actor, reaches out to the reader, and gets to the point quickly with fewer words whereas the passive voice shows the subject as a receiver of the action. Examples Instead of, your support is appreciated, the IG team will be appointed. It is requested that you submit. Use, I appreciate your support. Colonel Crawford will appoint the IG team. Please submit. Smothered Verbs Make your verbs do the work for you. Weak writing relies on general verbs that take extra words to complete their meaning. Keep verbs active, lively, specific, concise, and out in front, not hidden. Examples. Instead of, the IG team held a meeting to give consideration to the printing issue. Use that format for the preparation of your command history. The settlement of travel claims involves the examination of orders. Use... The IG team met to consider the printing issue. Use that format to prepare your command history. Settling travel claims involves examining orders. Parallel construction. Use a consistent pattern when making a list. If your sentence contains a series of items separated by commas, keep the grammatical construction similar. Violations occur when writers mix things and actions, statements and questions, and active and passive instructions. The key is to be consistent. Examples. Needs work. The functions of a military staff are to advise the commander, transmit instructions, and implementation of decisions. Acceptable. The functions of a military staff are to advise the commander, transmit instructions and implement decisions. Needs work. The security force member told us to observe the speed limit and we should dim our lights. Acceptable. The security force member told us to observe the speed limit and to dim our lights. Writer's block. If you occasionally suffer from writer's block, you're not alone. Many experienced writers have a hard time getting started. The five fears that lead to writer's block are fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of offending, and fear of running out of ideas. Some ways to overcome writer's block are brainstorm or free write to get your creative ideas flowing. Write just the topic sentences for each paragraph. Avoid procrastination. Don't worry about page length, word count, or some other constraint on the first draft. Bounce ideas off a friend or coworker. Use visuals like pictures or diagrams to show meaning. Develop rituals or routines to get in the mood for writing. Step 6 Edit the draft. One way to make sure you edit efficiently is to read your document at least three times to allow yourself to really look hard at the problem areas that could mess up your product. In the first pass, look at the big picture. In the second pass, look at paragraph construction. And in the third pass, look at sentences, phrases, and words. First pass, the big picture. Pay attention to the arrangement and flow of ideas. Here are some ideas to think about. Ensure the purpose statement answers the original tasker. Review the introduction to ensure it contains the purpose statement. Compare the introduction and conclusion to make sure they go together without sounding identical. The introduction should declare the purpose, and the conclusion should show the readers the purpose was accomplished. When checking for relevance and completeness, ensure the paragraphs clearly relate to the purpose statement, contain all main points, and are arranged in a consistent order. Second Pass Paragraph Structure and Clarity In the second pass, check whether the main points and supporting ideas are appropriately organized in paragraphs. For each paragraph, focus on the following areas. Unity of focus. Ensure there is only one main point of the paragraph, and all the information in the paragraph relates enough to be in the same paragraph. Topic sentence. Ensure the paragraph has one sentence that captures the central idea of the paragraph. Supporting ideas. Ensure sentences expand, clarify, illustrate, and explain points mentioned or suggested in each main idea. The paragraph should have enough details to support the central idea without any extra sentences that are irrelevant to the main point. Also ensure all transitional words, phrases, and clauses improve the flow and show proper relationships. Finally, the paragraph should contain three to seven sentences. Third pass, sentences, phrases, and words. Look at the details and concentrate on the small stuff that can sabotage your communication. These details include the passive voice, unclear language, excessive wordiness, grammatical errors, and spelling mistakes. Read the paper out loud. This requires the communicator to slow down and use two senses, seeing and hearing, which increases the chances of catching errors. What one sense misses, the other will pick up. Step 7. Fight for Feedback and Get Approval Fighting for feedback and getting approval are both activities that are part of life in the Air Force. Feedback and coordination are closely linked. If the communicator does a good job of fighting for feedback, the coordination process becomes much smoother. The biggest benefit to fighting for feedback is getting a second pair of eyes to review the communication. Even the best writers and speakers cannot see where the communication can be made stronger as they become too close to the communication. Coworkers are usually a good choice because of their familiarity with the issue and jargon. Also, asking a trusted agent or someone you consider an expert in a specific area of the communication, such as grammar, is another choice to obtain feedback. Feedback. To give effective feedback, refer to the following First, effective feedback is consistent, objective, and sensitive to the stated purpose. If asked to review a package, make sure you understand what the person wants from your review and stick to it. Second, Distinguish between necessary, desirable, and unnecessary changes. A page full of red marks is hard to interpret. Instead, give the author a sense of what really needs to be changed. Third, avoid using general statements. Instead, pinpoint specific problems, such as awkward sentences, grammar, etc. Fourth, Concentrate on improving the message's content, not the style or personal preferences of the author, unless the author has asked you specifically to comment on writing style. Before providing feedback, refer to the feedback philosophies in Figure 14.4. Supervisor-Subordinate Feedback Responsibility as a supervisor requires the need to be tactful and patient, especially when approving and disapproving subordinates' communications. A supervisor is obligated to help subordinates improve their work. This obligation may mean helping them to revise or rewrite their communication, especially if they are inexperienced. Get approval. Formal coordination gives affected individuals a chance to comment, and helps ensure the best course of action is presented to the decision maker. To do this, you get other offices to approve what you are proposing through the coordination process. Only after the package is fully coordinated can you provide the boss with the best course of action and tell them who is supporting that action. Section 14c. Writing Common Writing Formats The principles of effective communication apply equally well to written and spoken communications. This section will not repeat these principles, but will provide the basic formats of written Air Force communication. These formats are the most common and familiar ways of preparing all official and personal correspondence memorandums. Official Memorandum Official memorandums are used to communicate with all Department of Defense agencies— in addition, use official memorandums to conduct official business outside the government with vendors or contractors when the personal letter is inappropriate. Figure fourteen five. Use printed letterhead, computer-generated letterhead, or plain bond paper. Only type or print on one side of the paper using black or blue ink, and use 10 to 12 point Times New Roman font for text. Neatly and legibly correct minor typographical errors in ink on all correspondence. Do not redo correspondence to correct a typographical error that does not change intent. Redo correspondence to correct a minor error only if the correction is sufficiently important to justify the time, purpose, and expense. Personal letter. Use the personal letter when your communication needs a personal touch or when warmth or sincerity is essential. You may use the personal letter to write to an individual on a private matter for praise, condolence, sponsorship, etc. Keep the personal letter brief, preferably no longer than one page, including a salutation element, dear XX, and a complimentary close element, usually sincerely. Memorandum for Record, MFR or MR. The MFR has three forms, the Separate Page MFR, the Explanatory Note, and the Compact Note. Separate Page Memorandum for Record The Separate Page MFR is based on the official memorandum, but omits the from, since the writer is both the sender and receiver. This MFR is an in-house document to record information that would otherwise not be recorded in writing. For example, a telephone call, results of a meeting, or information passed to other staff members on an informal basis. People who work together every day generally pass most information to their coworkers verbally. But there are times when information should be recorded and kept on file. A Memorandum for Record is the right tool for this purpose. Figure 14.6 illustrates the format for the separate page MFR. Explanatory Note Memorandum for Record The Explanatory Note Memorandum for Record is usually on the file copy of most correspondence, figures 14.7 and 14.8. This Memorandum for Record gives the reader a quick synopsis of the purpose of the correspondence, tells who got involved, and provides additional information not included in the basic correspondence. By reading both the basic correspondence and the memorandum for record, readers should understand enough about the subject to coordinate on or sign the correspondence without having to call or ask for more information. If the basic correspondence really does say everything, an explanatory memorandum for record may not be required. However, some organizations require you to acknowledge that you have not merely forgotten the memorandum for record by including memorandum for record self-explanatory on the file copy. Writing Accomplishment Impact Bullet Statements At some point in your career, you may be required to write bullet statements for an enlisted performance report, Air Force IMT 1206, nomination for award, bullet background paper, or other Air Force communication. The key to writing an effective bullet statement consists of three steps. Step 1. Extract the Facts. Getting started can be the hardest part of bullet statement writing. The key is to collect all the information you can find relevant to the actual accomplishment. First, gather as much information as you can. Then, sort through the information collected. When sorting the information, isolate and record the specific action the person performed. Mark the action with a power verb that best describes the action. For example, repaired installed, designed, etc. Document-related numerical information, number of items fixed, dollars saved, man hours expended, people served, pages written, etc. Document how this accomplishment impacted the bigger picture and broader mission of the unit, group, wing, installation, command, or air force. Once captured, review each item and test to see if the item is truly associated with the single accomplishment identified earlier. Step 2. Build the structure. The next step is to take the sorted information and organize the information into an accomplishment impact bullet. There are two components, the accomplishment element and the impact element. Accomplishment element. The accomplishment element should always begin with an action and only focus on one single accomplishment. Most of the time, this action takes the form of a strong action verb, such as conducted, established, or led. If you need to give action verbs an added boost, you can use an adverb such as actively, energetically, or swiftly to modify the verb. For a more complete list of verbs and adverbs, refer to Air Force Handbook 33-337, The Tongue and Quill. Impact Element The impact element part of the bullet statement explains how the person's actions have had an effect on the organization. The impact element can show varying levels of influence, such as the person's actions connected to significant improvements to a work center's mission, a unit's mission, or as broad as the entire Air Force. Step 3. Streamline the final product. Streamlining the final product is refining the bullet statement to make it accurate, brief, and specific. Accuracy. For anything to be accurate, it must be correct. Avoid exaggerating the facts. Brevity. When editing for brevity, use the shortest, clearest, yet most descriptive words to the reader and reduce unnecessary words. Specificity. Convey the facts in detail. Resist the urge to estimate or generalize. Instead, use exact numbers or dollar amounts. Section 14D, Face-to-Face, Speaking, and Listening. Air Force Speaking. Speaking. This section focuses on spoken communication, both speaking and listening. Verbal communication. An effective voice drives home ideas or information. The speaker has control over such things as rate, volume, pitch, and pause. The techniques used to create interest and help increase communication include rate. There is no correct rate of speed for every speech. However, consider this. The average processing rate is 500 words per minute, and the average speaking rate is 180 words a minute. Speak too slowly, and the audience will lose interest. On the other hand, speak too fast, and the speech will become unintelligible. The key is to vary the rate of speech to hold the audience's attention and to add emphasis. Volume. Another verbal technique that can give emphasis to a speech is volume. If possible, check out the room to know how loudly you must talk, remembering you will need to talk louder with a crowd since the sound is absorbed. Remember your voice will carry further when the room is empty versus full. If the audience must strain to hear you, they will eventually tune you out from utter exhaustion. Speak louder or softer to emphasize a point. A softer level or lower volume is often the more effective way to achieve emphasis. Pitch The use of notes, higher or lower, in the voice is called pitch. Speakers use pitch changes in vowels, words, or entire sentences. Use a downward, high to low inflection in a sentence for an air of certainty and an upward, low to high inflection for an air of uncertainty. Variety in speech pitch helps to avoid monotone and to capture the listener's attention. Pause The pause technique gives the speaker time to catch his or her breath and the audience time to collect the speaker's ideas. The pause technique serves the same function as punctuation in writing. Short pauses usually divide points within a sentence, and longer pauses note the ends of sentences. The speaker can also use longer pauses for breaks from one main point to another, from the body to the conclusion of the speech, or to set off an important point worthy of short reflection. Articulation and pronunciation. Articulation is the art of expressing words distinctly. Pronunciation is the ability to say words correctly. People can articulate their thoughts and still mispronounce words while doing so. Unfortunately, and unfairly. Many people consider word pronunciation or mispronunciation a direct reflection on the speaker's intelligence. If you're not sure of the pronunciation, consult a current dictionary. Length. The length of a presentation is crucial. A key rule in verbal communication is short and sweet. Be prepared, know what you want to say, then say what you want to say with your purpose and audience in mind. Nonverbal Communication Actually presenting the talk is the hardest part for many people. How can body movement, voice, and sincerity enhance a presentation? Communications experts tell us that over half of our meaning may be communicated nonverbally. Although nonverbal meaning is communicated through vocal cues, much meaning is carried by the physical behaviors of eye contact, body movement, and gestures. Eye contact. This is one of the most important factors in nonverbal communication. Nothing will enhance the delivery more than effective eye contact with the audience. Eye contact is important for three reasons. First, it lets the listeners know the speaker is interested in them. Second, effective eye contact allows you to receive nonverbal feedback from the audience. Third. Effective eye contact enhances the credibility of the speaker. Body movement. Good body movement is important because body movement catches the eye of the listener. Effective body movement can be described as free and purposeful. While not essential, the speaker should feel free to move around in front of the audience. When looking at note cards, speakers should drop their eyes, not their head. Gestures. Gestures are the purposeful use of hands, arms, shoulders, and head to reinforce what is being said. Effective gestures are both natural and purposeful. Fidgeting with a paper clip, rearranging or shuffling papers, and constantly clicking a pen are distracting to the audience. Delivery Formats Your approach to delivery of the spoken message is usually affected by several factors, including the time you have to prepare and the nature of the message. Three common delivery formats are impromptu, speaking when we respond during a meeting or take the floor at a conference. Speakers may do this when they have to speak publicly without warning or with only a few moments notice. To do impromptu speaking well requires a great amount of self-confidence, mastery of the subject and the ability to think on your feet. A superb impromptu speaker has achieved the highest level in verbal communications. Prepared – formally extemporaneous. Prepared speaking or briefing refers to those times when we have ample opportunity to prepare. This does not mean the person writes a script and memorizes the script. But prepared delivery does require a thorough outline, with careful planning and practicing. The specific words and phrases used at the time of delivery, however, are spontaneous and sound very natural. Manuscript. A manuscript briefing is the delivery format that requires every word spoken to be absolutely perfect. The disadvantage of a manuscript briefing is that people demonstrate a tendency to lack spontaneity, lack eye contact, and they stand behind the lectern with their script. Types of Speaking Types of speaking used in the Air Force include briefing, teaching lecture, and formal speech. Briefing The best military briefings are concise and factual. Their major purpose is to inform listeners about a mission, operation, or concept. Some briefings direct or enable listeners to perform a procedure or carry out instructions. Other briefings advocate, persuade, or support a certain solution and lead the audience to accept the briefing. Every good briefing has the qualities of accuracy, brevity, and clarity. Accuracy and clarity characterize all good speaking, but brevity distinguishes the briefing from other types of speaking. A briefer must be brief, and to the point, and should anticipate some of the questions that may arise. If a briefer cannot answer a question, he or she should not attempt an off-the-top-of-the-head answer. Instead, he or she should admit to not knowing the answer, and offer to provide the answer later. TEACHING LECTURE The teaching lecture is the method of instruction most often used in the Air Force. As the name implies, the primary purpose of a teaching lecture is to teach students about a given subject. Teaching lectures are either formal or informal. Formal lectures are generally one way, with no verbal participation by the students. Informal lectures are usually presented to smaller audiences and allow for verbal interaction between the instructor and students. Formal Speech A formal speech generally has one of three basic purposes—to inform, persuade, or entertain. The informative speech is a narration concerning a specific topic, but does not involve a sustained effort to teach. Orientation talks and presentations at commander's call are examples of informative speeches— The persuasive speech is designed to move an audience to believe in or take action on the topic presented. Recruiting speeches to high school graduating classes and court-martial summations are speeches primarily developed to persuade. The entertaining speech gives enjoyment to the audience. The speaker often relies on humor and vivid language to entertain listeners. A speech to entertain is appropriate at a dining-out. Effective Listening Understanding the Listening Process To better understand the listening process, let's begin by distinguishing between hearing and listening. Hearing occurs when your ears pick up sound waves being transmitted by a speaker or some other source. Hearing requires a source of sound and an ear capable of perceiving sound. Hearing does not require the conscious decoding of information. Listening to make sense. Listening, on the other hand, involves making sense out of what is being transmitted. Listening involves not only hearing, it involves attending to and considering what is heard. Effective listening is an active process. Active listening involves exerting energy and responding appropriately in order to hear, comprehend, evaluate, and remember the message the importance of listening listening is especially important in the air force and actually in any military unit success is literally a matter of life and death and we routinely maintain and operate equipment worth millions of dollars receiving comprehending and remembering spoken information is critical any miscommunication is potentially catastrophic Effective listening helps to build the trust and mutual respect needed to do our jobs. Military personnel must understand their team members and the situation. Leaders with good listening skills often make better decisions and have a stronger bond with their airmen. Pick the right tool for the job—informative, critical, or empathic listening. There are different situations where listening is important and different reasons to listen. Everyone must understand the importance for acknowledging and identifying these differences because appropriate listening behaviors in one situation are sometimes inappropriate in another situation. Informative Listening In informative listening, the listener's primary concern is to understand information exactly as transmitted. A successful listening outcome occurs when the listener understands the message exactly as the sender intended. Suggestions for improving informative listening are to keep an open mind. If the primary goal is to understand the message, set aside your preconceptions about the topic and just listen. Listen as if you had to teach it. Typically, we expend more effort to understand a subject when we know that we have to teach a subject to someone else. By taking this approach, we have the mental fortitude to focus longer, ask questions when we do not understand, and think more deeply on a topic. Take notes. Focus on main points, but do not attempt to capture everything. Respond and ask appropriate questions. Good, informative listening questions help you clarify and confirm your understanding of the message. Exploit the time gap between thinking and speaking speeds. The average speaking rate is 180 words per minute. The average processing rate is 500 words per minute. Use this extra time to mentally repeat, forecast, summarize, and paraphrase the speaker's remarks. Critical listening. Critical listening is usually thought of as the sum of informative listening and critical thinking. The listener is actively analyzing and evaluating the message the speaker is sending. Critical listening is appropriate when seeking input to a decision, evaluating the quality of staff's work or a subordinate's capabilities, or conducting research. Suggestions for improving critical listening are to Take notes. As with informative listening, focus on main points and do not attempt to capture everything listen as if you had to grade it one of the few things more difficult than teaching is grading another's work by taking this approach we have the mental fortitude to focus longer ask questions when we do not understand and think more deeply on a topic exploit the time gap between thinking and speaking speeds critical listening is different from informational listening in that you need to try to understand first and evaluate second Even when you are listening critically, do not mentally argue with the speaker until the message is complete. Ask appropriate questions. Good critical listening questions will be probing in nature to thoroughly evaluate the intellectual content of the speaker's message. Empathic listening. Empathic listening is often useful when communication is emotional or when the relationship between speaker and listener is just as important as the message. Use this type of listening as a first step in the listening process, a prerequisite to informational or critical listening. Empathic listening is often appropriate during mentoring and non-punitive counseling sessions and is very helpful when communicating with family members. Section 14E, Electronic Communications and the Internet Email Email is defined as the electronic transmission of information over computer-based messaging systems. Recent technological advancements have increased opportunities for more timely, efficient, and effective text-based communications. These advancements facilitated the explosive growth of email use throughout the Air Force at all levels. To uphold a commitment to secure messaging, the Air Force has established guidelines to ensure standardized and responsible use by all Air Force members. Identity management. A vital element for messaging security is the implementation of public key infrastructure and common access cards for identity management. Public key infrastructure allows for the authentication of the sender identity using a digital signature and the encryption and decryption of the message. Users of Department of Defense electronic messaging are directed to follow current Air Force guidance for the use of public key infrastructure to sign and encrypt email. Defense Message System The Defense Message System is the core messaging system of record for the Department of Defense and the Air Force. Defense Message System is a flexible, commercial, off-the-shelf-based application that provides messaging services to all Department of Defense users, including deployed tactical users, and interfaces to other United States government agencies, allied forces, and defense contractors. AIR FORCE ORGANIZATIONAL MESSAGING Organization simple mail transfer protocol mailboxes may be used for all organizational messaging requirements unless usage of defense message system is required in support of combatant command responsibilities. INDIVIDUAL RESPONSIBILITIES All government communications systems are subject to monitoring, interception, search, and seizure for all authorized purposes. Government-provided messaging systems are for official use and limited authorized personal use only. Individuals must maintain responsibility for the content of their electronic messages and ensure that messages sent adhere to acceptable use of Internet-based capabilities. Maintain, sent, and received information according to Air Force Records management directives. Emails may be subject to request under the Freedom of Information Act, litigation, and court orders. If requested, individuals are responsible for reviewing messages in email accounts and all backups to locate responsive material. Adhere to local policy on sending electronic messages to a large number of recipients. Digital images, as well as mass distribution of smaller messages, may delay other traffic, overload the system, and subsequently cause system failure. Adhere to local policy when sending an electronic message to mail distribution list. Use web pages or electronic public folders for unofficial electronic messages, in example, booster club activities, etc. Only reply to electronic messages that absolutely require a response and minimize the use of the reply-to-all function. Bear sole responsibility for material sent. Properly coordinate and staff electronic messages according to local directives. Take appropriate action on non-delivery notices or message rejects to ensure messages reach the intended recipient. Not auto-forward electronic messages from the .mil domain to a commercial Internet service provider. Not indiscriminately release electronic messaging addresses to the public. For further information, reference the Air Force Freedom of Information Act, release of email addresses. Privacy Act Information The Privacy Act of 1974 requires agencies to provide safeguards to ensure the security and confidentiality of records and to protect individuals against an invasion of personal privacy. Exercise caution before transmitting personal information over email to ensure the message is adequately safeguarded. When information is so sensitive and personal, email is not the proper way for transmitting this information. When sending personal information over email within Department of Defense, ensure there is an official need. All addresses, including CC addresses, are authorized to receive personal information under the Privacy Act. For official use only is added to the beginning of the subject line, followed by the subject, and apply the following statement at the beginning of the email – This email contains for official use only information which must be protected under the Privacy Act and AFI 33-332. Do not indiscriminately apply this statement to emails and use only in situations when you are actually transmitting personal information. Email Protocol Email protocol provides guidelines for proper behavior while online. There are many ways to make social blunders and offend people when you are posting. Respect the social culture. And remember that the net is multicultural. Nuances get lost in transmission. Rule 1. Be clear and concise. Make sure the subject line communicates your purpose. Be specific and avoid ambiguous titles. Lead with the most important information. If the goal is to answer a question, then paste the question at the top of the page for clearer understanding. Use topic sentences if the email has multiple paragraphs. Be brief and stick to the point. Address the issue, the whole issue, and nothing but the issue. Use bold, italic, or color to emphasize key points. Choose readable fonts. Use 12-point or larger when possible. Rule 2, watch your tone. Be polite, treat others as you want to be treated. Think of the message as a personal conversation. Be careful with humor, irony, and sarcasm. Electronic postings are perceived much more harshly than they are intended, mainly because the receiver cannot see the sender's body language or hear the tone of voice or any other nonverbal cues then make up 90% of interpersonal communications don't shout do not write using all capital letters this is the email equivalent of shouting and it's considered rude keep the email clean and professional email is easily forwarded harassing intimidating abusive or offensive material is unacceptable Rule 3. Be selective about what message you send and do not Discuss controversial, sensitive, or official use-only, classified, personal, privacy act, or unclassified information requiring special handling of documents. Forget operation security. Remember, operation security, even unclassified information, when brought together with other information, can create problems in the wrong hands. Create junk mail, forward email, or put email on a bulletin board. Create or send chain letters. They waste time and tie up the system. Use email for personal ads. Rule 4. Be selective about who gets your message. Reply to specific addresses to give those not interested a break. Use Reply All sparingly. Get permission before using large mail groups. Double check the address before mailing, especially when selecting from a global list where many people have similar last names. Rule 5. Check your attachments and support material. Ensure all information is provided the first time to keep from repeating email just to add another fact. Before sending, ensure that you have attached the attachments. This is the most common mistake. Cite all quotes, references, and sources. Respect copyright and license agreements. Rule 6. Keep your email under control. Sign off the computer when you leave your workstation. Create mailing lists to save time. Read and delete files daily. Create an organized directory of your hard drive to keep mailbox files at a minimum. Ensure record copies are properly identified and stored in an approved filing system. Acknowledge important or sensitive messages with a reply to sender. For example, thanks, done, I will start working the details in the email immediately, etc. When away from your email for an extended period, consider setting up an auto-reply message to let people know how long you will be unavailable via email as well as providing alternate points of contact for questions that require immediate answers or response. The Internet Use of the web or web technologies continues to increase as a technique for obtaining and disseminating information worldwide. The Web or Internet provides the capability to quickly and efficiently disseminate information to and access information from a variety of governmental and non-governmental sources. Web content must be managed in compliance with all information management policies and procedures. Use of Internet Resources by Government Employees The Internet provides an indispensable source for information from a variety of governmental and non-governmental sources. The Air Force's goal, within acceptable risk levels, is to provide maximum accessibility to Internet resources for personnel requiring access for official business. Appropriate Use Government-provided hardware and software are for official use and limited authorized personal use only. Limited personal use must be of reasonable duration and frequency that have been approved by the supervisors and do not adversely affect performance of official duties, overburden systems, or reflect adversely on the Air Force or the Department of Defense. Inappropriate Use Using the Internet for other than official or authorized purposes may result in adverse administrative or disciplinary action. The following are specifically prohibited. Use of federal government communication systems for unauthorized personal use use that would adversely reflect on the Department of Defense or the Air Force, such as chain letters, unofficial soliciting, or selling except on authorized internet-based capabilities established for such use. Unauthorized storing, processing, displaying, sending, or otherwise transmitting prohibited content. Prohibited content includes pornography, sexually explicit or sexually oriented material, Nudity, hate speech, or ridicule of others on the basis of protected class. Example, race, creed, religion, color, age, sex, disability, national origin. Gambling, illegal weapons, militancy or extremist activities, terrorist activities, use for personal gain, and any other content or activities that are illegal or inappropriate. STORING OR PROCESSING CLASSIFIED INFORMATION ON ANY SYSTEM NOT APPROVED FOR CLASSIFIED PROCESSING. USING COPYRIGHTED MATERIAL IN VIOLATION OF THE RIGHTS OF THE OWNER OF THE COPYRIGHTS. CONSULT WITH THE SERVICING STAFF JUDGE ADVOCATE FOR FAIR USE ADVICE. UNAUTHORIZED USE OF THE ACCOUNT OR IDENTITY OF ANOTHER PERSON OR ORGANIZATION. VIEWING, CHANGING, DAMAGING, Deleting or blocking access to another's user's files or communications without appropriate authorization or permission. Attempting to circumvent or defeat security or modifying security systems without prior authorization or permission, such as for legitimate system testing or security research obtaining, installing, copying, storing, or using software in violation of the appropriate vendor's license agreement, permitting an unauthorized individual access to a government-owned or government-operated system, modifying or altering the network operating system or system configuration without first obtaining written permission from the administrator of that system. Copying and posting of, for official use only, controlled unclassified information, critical information, and or personally identifiable information on Department of Defense owned, operated, or controlled, publicly accessible sites, or on commercial internet-based capabilities downloading and installing freeware, shareware, or any other software product without designated accrediting authority approval. Malicious Logic Protection Protect information systems from malicious logic, example, virus, worms, Trojan horse, attacks, by applying a mix of human and technological preventative measures. Scan approved removable media devices for viruses before and after use if scans are not automated. Report any suspected information systems abnormalities, example, antivirus errors, virus alerts, unexpected file size increases, unexpected disk access, strange activity by applications, etc., immediately to the Organizational Information Assurance Officer. Operation Security and the Internet When accessing Internet-based capabilities, using federal government resources in an authorized personal or unofficial capacity, individuals shall comply with Operation Security Guidance AFI 10-701 Operation Security and shall not represent the policies or official position of the Air Force or Department of Defense. Section 14F, Conducting an Effective Interview Introduction Many Air Force positions require a job interview. Knowing how to prepare for and conduct yourself during this process can go a long way towards helping you get that special duty or some other much-coveted job in the Air Force. This section is designed to help you prepare for and succeed in conducting an effective Air Force interview. Purpose of Interviews So, you found a new job in the Air Force, one that requires special talents and experience, one that requires you to gather letters of recommendation, submit a resume, and provide copies of your last five enlisted performance reports, EPR, and one that requires you to sit through a job interview. If you've ever completed a special duty assignment or worked at certain headquarters assignments, chances are you've already sat through a job interview. However, for many airmen out there, the Air Force job interview is a new experience, one requiring preparation, practice, and perseverance. Before you set off for that interview, there are a few things you will need to understand about the interview process. First, you need to understand the purpose of the job interview. All job interviews are designed with one goal in mind, to find the right person for a particular job. As military members, many of you will sit through job interviews to get that special job or position you've been looking for. Understanding that employers may have to interview several members for the position should give you some respect for the process and help you understand that your goal in an interview is to convince the interviewer that you are the right person for the job. The second thing you should know about interviews is that they are a two-way process. You are not only interviewing for a job, you are interviewing the prospective employer to see if you actually want the job. Are you willing to spend the next two to three years of your career in this organization? Are you willing to work under the conditions laid out in the job description? Are you willing to make a permanent change of station for the position? There are a host of other concerns you should have in mind when preparing for the interview, many of which should center on your desire for the job and working in the new organization. Third, you need to understand that interviews are information-sharing events between you and the interviewer. Your job is to convince the interviewer that your unique knowledge, skills, and abilities are a perfect match for the position you're seeking. Conversely, the interviewer's job is to sift through reams of information gathered from numerous interviews and eventually match the right person to the position. The interviewer is basically asking each interviewee the same question. Why should I hire you? While all interviewees are also highlighting their particular skills for the job. Types of Interviews As you've just read, the purpose of the interview is to find the best person for the job. However, interviews can be conducted in several different ways. Face-to-face interviews. Face-to-face interviews usually take place in one of two formats, the individual interview or the panel interview. The individual interview may be the person who will supervise you or someone higher in the chain of command. Hiring decisions are often made based on this type of interview. Count on discussing your skills, experience, and training, and how they all relate to the job. A selection panel or board interview is frequently used when organizations are filling a managerial position. Usually, three or more people sit on the board, and all candidates are asked the same questions. A selection board interview usually involves more structured questions than an individual interview. This interview can be stressful because you have to answer questions from several people. Be sure to make eye contact with everyone on the panel. When answering a question, you should make eye contact with the person asking the question. Phone interviews. The phone interview is another strategy organizations use to select highly qualified airmen. In this situation, the hiring organization interviews applicants over the phone. These interviews are sometimes used to make first-round cuts to the applicant pool. If you apply for a special assignment, chances are the location will be away from your current assignment. In this case, the hiring organization usually conducts the entire interview over the phone. In these situations, there are no second chances to make a good impression, and decisions are based strictly on the phone interview. Interviewing, pre-interview preparations. One of the first things you need to do to prepare for any Air Force job interview is to carefully study the job advertisement or position description. This provides you with information on the particular knowledge, skills, and abilities for which the hiring organization is looking. What experience or skills are required for the job? Do you have the required experience or skills? Note the key responsibilities of the job and try to match your knowledge, skills, and abilities to those requirements. And you should make the connections now because you will be asked to do the very same thing during the interview. This first step helps you understand how your talents measure up to the requirements for the position you're seeking. The next step is to gather all required information and documentation for the application process. In many cases, you will need to submit past EPRs, a personnel report on individual personnel, a resume, letters of recommendation, and a cover letter. A targeted resume and letters of recommendation should highlight your particular knowledge, skills, and abilities, and relate them to the position for which you're applying. A cover letter should target one or two strengths, not mentioned in your EPRs, resume, or letters of recommendation. One important aspect to consider before the interview is to conduct research on the mission and history of the hiring organization before the interview. Who are the commander and senior enlisted members of the organization? How large is the organization? What are the mission and vision statements? If you know someone who works in the organization, you should call him or her and ask some particular questions about the organization. Are there any mission changes in the foreseeable future? How many enlisted personnel are assigned there? Has the organization done anything noteworthy in the past two or three years? the more you know about the organization, the better job you will do of convincing potential employers that you care about the organization as well as the job you're seeking. When preparing for any interview, think about and write down your strengths and weaknesses. Identify two or three strengths that target the knowledge, skills, and abilities in the job advertisement. Next, identify one or two weaknesses that can be turned into strengths. For example, I'm detail-oriented, but not a micromanager. Putting your strengths and weaknesses on paper allows you to study and become intimately familiar with them and builds your confidence as you prepare for the interview. As you write down your strengths and weaknesses, develop specific examples that highlight your skills. You will be asked to provide examples of your experience during the interview. Developing examples before the interview can only help make the interview flow more smoothly. Use job descriptions and bullets from past EPRs to develop possible questions employers might ask during the interview. Remember, employers know exactly what they are looking for, and they are using the interview process to find the right person to fill the position. Put yourself in the interviewer's shoes and develop a set of questions you would ask if you were them. Then develop answers to the questions you just came up with. If your EPRs were sent as part of the application package, you can bet some of the questions will be targeted towards specific achievements highlighted. Include specific, concrete examples that not only highlight your skills, but also tie directly to the specific requirements of the job. Some examples of areas to concentrate on are 1. Problem-solving skills 2. Thoughts on Air Force transformation 3. Team-building skills 4. How you support the Chief of Staff of the Air Force priorities 5. Leadership philosophy 6. Ability to adapt and work in fast-paced environments 7. Handling Criticism and 8. Decision-Making Ability Also, be able to answer the following questions. Why should I hire you? How soon can you report? If applicable, how does your family feel about the move? Where do you see yourself in two to three years? Are there any personal issues that may prevent you from accepting or performing in this position? Develop a list of questions to ask potential employers. Interviewers expect candidates to ask intelligent, thoughtful questions concerning the organization and the nature of the work. The nature and quality of your questions reveals your interest in the organization and the position you're seeking. Ensure your questions are employer-centered. Avoid self-centered questions that might indicate you are primarily interested in knowing about the benefits of the position. Potential questions should center on 1. Duties and responsibilities of the job 2. Possible mission changes in the organization 3. Chain of command or lines of responsibility 4. Unique requirements of the organization and 5. A typical day in the organization Finally, you need to practice, practice, practice Practice how you will get out of your car. Practice how you will walk into the room. Practice how you will answer questions. Practice how you will ask questions. Practice your nonverbals. Practice anything you think you will do before, during, or after the interview. This will make you more comfortable and confident, and it will help you perform better during the interview. If possible, have friends and family conduct mock interviews. Practice in front of a mirror if mock interviews are impossible or impractical. The bottom line here is practice, practice, practice. Listening skills. Listening during the interview is as essential to your success as talking openly and honestly about knowledge, skills, and abilities. Concentrate on what is being said and how it is said, rather than how you are doing. By listening to the interviewer's statements, comments, and questions, you gain a better understanding of the organization and what workplace would be like to work there. If you pay close attention, you can probably hear the questions behind the questions your interviewer asks. In other words, pay close attention and read between the lines for what is not being said in the interview. And you can probably pick up useful nuggets of information that can benefit you during the interview. For instance, if the interviewer continually asks you about your ability to develop and motivate teams or seems to refer to getting teams to work better, you may pick up a possible team development issue within the organization. With this information, you can sell your ability to lead and motivate teams and possibly land yourself the job. The Actual Interview As mentioned earlier, most will be interviewed in one of two ways, by phone or in person. If conducted by phone, the interview begins the moment you pick up the phone and ends once you hang up. On the other hand, personal interviews begin the moment you get out of your car and end when you drive out of the parking lot. Either way, the interview is the one best chance you have of selling yourself to any potential employer. Whether you interview by phone or in person, there are certain rules you should keep in mind. 1. Keep your answers concise, limited to about 2 to 3 minutes. 2. Provide specific examples of your skills and achievements. 3. Tie your strengths to the requirements of the job. 4. Ask questions. 5. Maintain a conversational tone throughout the interview. And 6. Keep important documents nearby, such as EPRs, resumes, letters of reference, etc. The Phone Interview To some, the phone interview may seem less important than a personal interview because the interview is conducted from different locations and removed from direct observation of the interviewer. However, in many aspects, the phone interview is more difficult than a personal interview. For instance, in a personal interview, you can usually gauge how the interview is going by paying attention to the interviewer's nonverbals. On the other hand, with a phone interview, there are no visual cues to tell you how you're doing. Therefore, there are some areas you will have to pay close attention to if you want to successfully navigate through a phone interview. Here are a few tips to help you succeed. Smile during your interview, just as you would in a personal interview. While hiding behind a phone allows you to disguise your body language, there is no way you can disguise your vocal cues due to nonverbals. Smiling during a phone interview keeps you energetic and helps project enthusiasm. Keep a mirror in front of you during the interview. This allows you to see your own expressions and will help to ensure you are smiling and paying attention to your body language. Just because the interviewer can't see you doesn't mean he or she is not listening for details of your nonverbal responses during the interview. A mirror also ensures you conduct yourself in much the same way you would in a personal interview. You would not put your feet on a desk during a personal interview, would you? Of course not. So keep your feet off your desk during a phone interview. Believe it or not, your body posture naturally reflects in your voice. If your posture is slacking while you're on the phone, you can bet your vocal tone will convey that. Keeping a mirror in front of you will help you focus on your body language and nonverbal responses. Know when to speak and then when to stop. In a personal interview, you can usually tell from the interviewer's nonverbals when you need to wrap up an answer or move on. Phone interviews are often filled with long, silent pauses. Do not feel that you need to fill that dead space with conversation. Pay close attention to the tone of the interviewer's voice and know when to stop talking and move on. Develop notes for telephone interviews. These notes should include a list of your strengths and weaknesses and how your skills match organizational needs. Develop a list of potential questions employers might ask, along with possible responses. Practice delivering responses so that you'll be ready to give polished answers in a clear, confident tone. Do not memorize canned answers, since they are likely to sound canned over the phone. Instead, use the script to trigger appropriate responses that sound both spontaneous and energetic. Do not forget to ask questions. Questions for potential employers should be part of your script and should be kept readily available during the interview. Keep in mind, the real key to success in any interview is practice. The Personal Interview In many cases, personal interviews begin the moment you get out of your car and do not end until you drive away. Many prospective employers will observe you as you walk from your car to the front door of the building or office. Others will purposefully let you sit in the waiting area for 10 to 20 minutes, All of this is designed to create tension, and provide the employer an opportunity to observe your bearing before the actual interview begins. We cannot overstate that you are on the interviewing clock, even though you are not sitting in an interviewing room. In job interviews, potential employers judge you on how you look and act, not just on what you say. Your actions, mannerisms, and appearance are reflected in your body language. They give nonverbal information about your work-related skills, attitudes and values. Research shows that 65% of meaning in any interaction is conveyed nonverbally. In many interviews, nonverbal cues are just as important as verbal information in determining who is hired. After all, each person the organization interviews is probably qualified for the job. Therefore, you want to appear more qualified than anyone else. Do not let your nonverbals cost you a job. The first thing required for the interview is to ensure you are wearing the proper uniform. You should get this information before the interview, but check before the interview to make sure. Your dress and appearance is the 1st nonverbal message you send to any employer. So ensure you are squared away and nothing is out of place. Offer a firm, but not too firm, warm, whole-hand handshake. Shake hands with both men and women the same way. You would not give men and women different salutes, so do not offer them different handshakes. Practice your handshake before the interview. Make eye contact with the interviewers. Your eyes are the most powerful communication tools, and many interviewers use eye contact to determine enthusiasm, sincerity, and possible inconsistencies in your responses. If you use natural eye contact, the interview will become more like a conversation between acquaintances, and you'll get over some of your nervousness. Sit up straight, but not stiff and lean slightly forward towards the interviewer. As the interview progresses, you may want to mirror the body language of the interviewer. If the interviewer takes a more relaxed posture, then you should relax too, but not too much. If the interviewer is more formal, then you need to mirror that formal behavior. Use natural gestures. If you normally use your hands to gesture as you talk, do so during the interview. Gestures help you relax, convey enthusiasm, and release nervous energy. Be careful, though, to avoid nervous gestures such as drumming your fingers, playing with a pencil, jingling the change in your pocket, tapping your feet, etc. Speak clearly and evenly, not too fast, but not too slow. Expression is a powerful way to show enthusiasm. Do not speak in a monotone voice. Allow your volume to rise and fall and pronounce words clearly. Use good grammar and diction and always think before you speak. The interviewer will assess your communication skills based on how clearly you express yourself. Notice the nonverbal cues of the interviewer. His or her facial expression will let you know how well he or she is listening and may give you clues as to how you're doing. For instance, if the interviewer seems distracted or inattentive, you will need to shorten your answers, use examples, or ask questions. As the interview ends, take two to three minutes to summarize. This gives you a chance to end the interview on a positive note, convey your interest in the position, and sell yourself one more time. During the summary, recap one or two of the key points of the interview and restate how your experience and skills match those required for the position. Post-interview actions. Once the interview is complete, two things will increase your chances of success and help you learn from your experience. First, send a short two to three paragraph thank you note to the organization for which you interviewed. The letter should be typed or handwritten and should express your gratitude for the interview opportunity. Restate your interest in the position and highlight any particularly noteworthy points made in your conversation or anything you wish to further clarify. This is also an opportunity to add anything you forgot or wish you had said in the interview. Close the letter by mentioning that you will call in a few days to inquire about the employer's decision. Always mail the letter within a day or two of the interview. The second thing is to make a few notes about the interview. Record some of the questions asked and how you answered them. Write down your strong and weak points from the interview. Make a list of what made the interview successful, what you would change, and what you need to improve. These notes can be invaluable information for you to review and work on for future interviews. Interview conclusion. The job interview is the most important step in any job search process. Many airmen will undergo the rigors of an interview for special positions during the course of their careers. Understanding the purpose of the job interview and your role in successfully planning for and conducting a proper interview can greatly increase your chances of landing a coveted job in the Air Force. Section 14G Staff Level Communication Spoken communication via the meeting. Meetings are used to share information, solve problems, plan, brainstorm, or motivate. Whatever their purpose, you need to know some basics about conducting an effective meeting. Planning the meeting. Success or failure in a meeting can usually be traced to the planning phase. The key issues associated with planning a meeting are listed below. As you review these items, remember to check on what are standard operating procedures in your organization. Meetings come in all flavors, from totally spontaneous to highly structured and ceremonial. Most are in the middle. If a group has been meeting regularly for a while, try to find out how they have done business in the past. Decide if the meeting is appropriate. If you can achieve the goal by speaking face-to-face with one or two people, scheduling a formal meeting might not be necessary. If the goal is to just pass on information, consider if sending an email is a viable and appropriate substitute for the meeting. Define the purpose. Every meeting should have a purpose, and if there is no purpose, you should not meet. When thinking about the purpose, define in terms of the product wanted at the end of the meeting, and what purpose will the product be used for. Decide who should be invited. Invite only those directly involved in the issues being discussed. If you are trying to solve a problem or make a decision on a controversial issue, make sure you have adequate representation from all groups who have a voice in the decision. If you only invite people with one point of view, your meeting will run smoothly, but your decision may not stand up later. Decide where and when the meeting should occur. Ensure the time is convenient for the people who are required to be there. Keep the meeting under an hour or plan for breaks. Finally, reserve the room. Plan for capturing meeting information. If this is not a routine meeting with an appointed recorder, take a moment to think about how you will capture the meeting information, both in the meeting itself and afterwards. Capturing information during the meeting. This can be done by using standard note-taking procedures, ensuring your meeting place has either a dry erase board butcher paper, or other note-taking capabilities will assist in getting this accomplished. Capturing information after the meeting. Meeting minutes captured the process and outcome of the meeting. Minutes close the loop on the meeting and let the attendees know what was decided. Send out an agenda. Create an agenda and send the agenda to attendees no later than one or two days before the meeting. The agenda should include the date, time, location, and purpose of the meeting. This advance notice gives everyone an opportunity to prepare their thoughts and know where the meeting is going before they get there. Running the meeting. Avoid dragging out a meeting unnecessarily. Start on time. Stay on time. Meetings should start on time with an upbeat note, so do not wait for tardy attendees. State your desired outcome. Follow the agenda. People generally don't like when a meeting deviates from the agenda. Review the agenda in the opening minutes of the meeting to remind everyone of the goals and plan for the meeting. Understand group dynamics. If you're in charge of a group that will meet over a period of time, you should learn the basics about group dynamics. In group dynamics, which will be experienced in meetings, teams or groups move through predictable stages. To avoid frustration, becoming familiar with these stages is important. Forming Stage When a team is forming, members cautiously explore the boundaries of acceptable group behavior. The forming stage is a stage of transition from individual to member status and of testing the leader's guidance, both formally and informally. Because so much is going on to distract the members' attention in the beginning, the team accomplishes little, if anything, that is concerned with the project goals. Do not be overly concerned. This is perfectly normal. Storming Stage Probably the most difficult stage for the team is the storming stage. The team members begin to realize the task is different and more difficult than imagined, and they become testy, accusatory, or overzealous impatient with the lack of progress, but still too inexperienced to know much about decision-making or the scientific approach. Members argue about what actions the team should take. They try to rely solely on their personal and professional experience, resisting any need for collaborating with other team members. Their behavior means team members have little energy to spend on progressing towards the team's goal, but they are beginning to understand one another. Norming stage. During the norming stage, members reconcile competing loyalties and responsibilities. They accept the team, team ground rules or norms, their roles in the team, and the individuality of fellow members. Emotional conflict is reduced as previously competitive relationships become more cooperative. As team members begin to work out their differences, they now have more time and energy to spend on the project, Thus, they are able to at last start making significant strides. Performing Stage By the time of the Performing Stage, the team has settled their relationships and expectations. At last, team members have discovered and accepted each other's strengths and weaknesses and learned what their roles are. The team is now an effective, cohesive unit. They can begin performing, diagnosing and solving problems, and choosing and implementing changes. You can tell when your team has reached the performing stage because you start getting a lot of work done, finally. Follow-up – Preparing Meeting Minutes Follow-up involves sending out meeting minutes and starting the whole cycle over again. Prepare meeting minutes in the official memorandum format. Minutes are a clear summary of the participants' comments and document planned or completed actions. Date the minutes the day they are distributed. The names of members present may be listed in two columns to save space. Place information regarding a future meeting in the last paragraph. When a person signs a paper as a member of a board or committee, the signature element indicates that person status on that board or committee, not on any other position the person may hold. To approve the minutes, type approved as written, two lines below the recorder's signature block followed by the approving authorities signature block, Minutes are typed either single or double-spaced, with additional space between items of business and paragraphs. The format should be neat and orderly, paying particular attention to uniformity of margins and text. Spell names correctly, use acceptable grammar, and construct and punctuate sentences well. All verbs should be in past tense. The order of the minutes usually coincides with the order of the agenda and generally includes items such as kind of meeting, regular, special, etc., day, date, time, and place of meeting, the word minutes in the heading, name of the meeting body, opening paragraph, that is, the executive committee met for blank meeting on day, date, and time, Members present and absent. Action taken on last meeting's minutes. Reports. Current business with complete discussions and conclusions. Old business with discussions and follow-up as recommended. New business with discussions and recommendations. Adjournment. Section 14H, Instruments of Written Communication. Bullet background paper. The bullet background paper is an excellent tool designed to present concisely written statements centered on a single idea or to present a collection of accomplishments with their respective impacts. Refer to Figure 14.9 for additional information on the bullet background paper. Air Force IMT-1768 Staff Summary Sheet Use the Staff Summary Sheet to summarize staff work, request action, or forward information. Staff summary sheets often contain several handwritten notes before reaching the approval authority. Therefore, they do not require the same level of perfection, error free typing, etc., as the correspondence they may cover. Refer to Air Force Handbook 33 337 for information on filling out the staff summary sheet. Electronic Staff Summary. Electronic staff summary requiring your group or wing commander's signature should be sent through your internal channels via email. The Office of Primary Responsibility transmits the package via email to the first reviewer to coordinate and comment. The first reviewer should forward never reply the package with comments if any to the next reviewer. This procedure is repeated until the last reviewer has coordinated on the package. The last reviewer forwards the entire package back to the Office of Primary Responsibility. Trip Report A trip report describes a temporary duty trip to another location and includes the purpose, travelers, itinerary, discussions, and conclusions or recommendations. Staff Study Report Use the Staff Study Report to analyze a clearly defined problem identify conclusions, and make recommendations. Not all organizations routinely use a staff study report, but it is an accepted format for a problem-solution report in both Air Force and Joint Staffs. The staff study report should represent completed staff work. This means the staff member has solved a problem and presented a complete solution to the boss the solution should be complete enough that the decision-maker has only to approve or disapprove. Conclusion Clear, concise, well-thought-out, and well-composed communication is essential for meeting the needs of today's Air Force. We are all involved in speaking and writing to some extent. Therefore, we must become proficient at the methods we use. The meeting is an important forum for providing information, solving problems, and answering questions. Written communication is also another area crucial to meeting the Air Force mission. Fortunately, we have several instruments at our disposal to help us with the process. The Staff Summary Sheet, Bullet Background Paper, Trip Report, and Staff Study Report all serve a useful purpose and are tools that help facilitate staff-level communication.